Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic. Our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep. All night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. You're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast, changing up the way Bears fans stay up to date on their favorite team since 2015. Now get ready. Because it's time to bear down. Welcome back, Bears fans, to another episode of the Chicago Audible. I'm your host, Will DeWitt, and it's great to be back behind the mic for another episode. And I'm excited to talk more Bears football with you. This week, we're continuing our State of the Franchise series, and today we'll be breaking down the current state of the Bears defense heading into the 2019 offseason. And to help me break down this side of the ball, I am joined by my co-host, Brandon Hazlett, and we're bringing on our draft guru and overall good guy, Steve Letizia. Brandon, I don't want to know, and we've been talking off and on today. We've been both very busy with our day jobs ever since the season kind of ended, but how have you been, man? Been really good. You said it feels good to be behind the mic, but it feels like I haven't been on in like eons. So it feels really good for me to get back behind the mic here. I'm sure it does. And Steve, I know you've been chomping at the bit to get back here on the podcast. Uh, you released an article today on our blog that we're kind of getting back into some, I'm going to call it game shape, even though it's off season. I'm going to call our blog getting into game shape right now. But how's your off season been? I know we're a little bit more than a month removed from the season. Hopefully things are, you're transitioning to the off season as well as possible. But how have you been? Yeah, I've been okay. I'm finally getting over the how the season ended. So, uh, but yeah, I'm excited to be back on. I think this is the first time I've been on since the name change, actually. So this is my first time on the Chicago Audible podcast. So that's exciting. I have no idea what you're talking about. Haven't we always been the Chicago <laughs> we Audible? Talk about that? <laughs> I don't think we can. I mean, I think we can mention it, but I don't know if we're even allowed to say the old uh, the old names. But those who are listening know exactly what we're referring to. And if you're new to the show and you don't know, that's okay. It's nothing that important. A name's a name. It's just something that you 
It's a label, and we're still the same people behind it. But, guys, I'm excited to get going. And, Steve, like you said, uh, it's been about you know a month or so removed. We're past the Super Bowl. Starting to feel better about how things end. Maybe not better, but being able to move on. I think we went through all the stages of grief afterwards, and now it's time to start anew. And that's what the Say the Franchise episodes are all about. And just in case you didn't listen to the offensive version or you need a quick reminder of what is in store for this episode, we're going to break down each position with today's focus being on the Bears defense, um, explain the current state of each, and much more including the level of need. And we'll even play a game to determine which upcoming Bears free agents should receive a new contract in Chicago or not. So pretty much we're going to analyze each position, explain where they currently stand, and we just want to find a way to make them better before next season rolls around. So, guys, are you ready to roll? Let's do it, do it. Let's do it. Awesome. So let's go ahead and take a hard look at that already stout Bears defense. And just in case you need a reminder, because I love pointing out some of these facts, uh, they finished 2018 third in yards per game allowed, first in points per game allowed, seventh against the pass, first against the run, fourth on third down, and they were the sixth best defense in red zone efficiency last year. So let's go ahead and treat this like a post-game show and begin like we typically do. And with that being the Bears defensive line, led by pro bowler Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman, this was a unit that saw some great play all year long. And obviously they were an intricate part of the defense's overall success. And Brandon, you are Mr. Trenches. So I want to kind of hand it over to you first. And I want to look at number 91, right in the middle, big old nose tackle Eddie Goldman, because last season was perhaps his finest as an, a pro and in Chicago to be a bear. And I'm curious, uh, do you believe that that's kind of his ceiling of what we saw last year? Or do you believe that Goldman still possesses uh, some more potential underneath the hood to take a step further in 2019? I think his role really kind of limits his statistical production as far as things go. Uh, but I mean, overall, when you, you know, ignore the statistics and just watch him play football, I mean, I think he still has a little bit more to go. Uh, because he missed some time in the past, so that really kind of hindered his development, his you know his uh, potential really. Uh, and this year was kind of I'll, I'll say a breaking out uh, party when he finishes with uh, forty or twenty three solo tackles, forty total, uh, three sacks on the year. Uh, so I th- overall, I mean, he's he's bringing the pressure from up the middle. He's able to stop the run, fills his gap, allows the linebackers to come in uh, to either side of the gap. Uh- Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Next to him, he just does a very good job of eating up offensive linemen to other linebackers to come in uh, and make the play. And that's really what his role as nose tackle is, is supposed to be, just to eat up offensive plays. So I'd like to say that there's still a little bit more room for Eddie to grow, especially as a pass rusher. But, you know, that's not typically his role. Uh, so there's still some development in other areas that he can do. But I, I think that uh, we haven't seen the best of Eddie Goldman quite yet. Steve, last season, I think it was right around the midway point, maybe in the third quarter of the year, you wrote an article about Eddie Goldman being that unsung hero of the Bears defense. I'd be really curious your take here about uh, where Eddie kind of currently stands and what you kind of project forward for him. Uh, You're still still muted, Steve. Yeah, sorry about that. Yeah, I kind of agree with Brandon. Um, I think he can get a little bit better in the stat sheet, but 
even if he doesn't, you know, he had a great year this past year. So even if he just, if he never becomes a great sack guy, he's going to clog up lanes, make, make it easy for the linebackers. So even if he just repeats what he did last year, I'll take that a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. No complaints whatsoever. Again, Eddie Goldman really uh, got into his own and him being healthy too. I think was a big part of his overall success that he was able to create for himself and moving forward, looking at someone else on this defensive line, and I might be going a little bit out of order here, but I'm very excited about this kid. And yeah, I'm talking about Bilal Nichols because last year's fifth round pick out of Delaware, obviously he really impressed and he displayed plenty of flashes to have us excited about his long-term potential. And Steve, I want to go to you first. Uh, what do you like about the kid and what are your expectations for him next year? Do you think he's going to be still a rotational piece or do you see him making a step and becoming a starter opposite of Akeem Hicks? Yeah, I think he's he's gonna, definitely going to go into next season as the starter. Um, I like Roy Robertson and Harris Springs, but I think Bilal Nichols has shown that he, he can he can be that starter opposite Akeem Hicks. Um, but yeah, I really love uh, Bilal Nichols and what he did this last this last year. He came on really strong in the beginning of the year. I think he kind of tailed off at the end. But that's just a, what happens your rookie year. You know, you're, you're not used to a full season. You know, a little bit better conditioning. He could probably uh, continue that going for the for the long haul. But yeah, he'll he'll be the starter in the in the base packages, and then um, but he'll come out on on passing downs and nickel packages, um, and then he'll be able to give Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman a, a breather from time to time. So yeah, I'm really excited about his future. I think he can be um, a Akeem Hicks light kind of thing. All right, so today is February 15th, 2019. Steve already is on the record saying that Bilal Nichols will be a starter next year. I'm writing this down so you don't forget it. (laughs) I'm sure you're going to stand by that. I would too. I mean, I'm very hopeful uh, for what kind of role he can carve out for himself. What about you, B? Even if, say, he doesn't, you know, grab a starter's role. What do you envision his 2019 season looking like? Because, and here's the thing about the Bears defense. I want to preface this whole show now, even though we're a little bit into it. They're stacked, and there's a few areas where there's some depth concerns, but overall they're in a great position. We know that, so we're just kind of projecting forward here. But Bilal Nichols, B, go ahead. Yeah, I mean, even if he doesn't become a starter, I mean, this well, this you know, end opposite of Akeem Hicks has really struggled to find a solidified piece that could play you know the same amount of percentage snaps that Akeem Hicks and Eddie Goldman does. So if Bilal Nichols doesn't take that, then I think that means that John Bullard and Roy Robertson-Harris are taking those steps to become that type of player. Frankly, I don't necessarily see that uh, in their potential. I think they're very good rotational pieces. Uh, And Bilal Nichols, I think, has far more potential. He's got a higher ceiling than John Bullard and Roy Robertson-Harris. As much as I enjoy both those guys, they only show flashes. Uh, But Bilal Nichols, I think, is a guy, and I'm, I'm with Steve on this one, if he doesn't end up being the starter, uh, then that's, you know, I think that's a good sign. Uh, because John Bullard and Ray Robertson Harris are actually stepping up to the plate to be able to take that starting spot. But I think Blau Nichols in the long term is going to be that guy that takes the same amount of uh, snaps percentage wise as an Akeem Hicks or an Aiden Goldman is continue to make that same type of impact that those two guys can make. Sure. And of course, Roy Robson Harris coming back isn't a hundred percent certainty right now. Obviously he has some exclusive rights here in Chicago, but uh, we can't say a hundred percent that Roy Robson Harris will be a bear in 2019. We'll discuss that uh, here later on the show, but Steve, I'm actually curious your thoughts on this whole John Bullard, Roy Robson Harris discussion. You know, we talked a lot about it like last off season training camp yeah. preseason. And then once the regular season came, just like Brandon said, they both just kind of show flashes. Um, I do believe Roy Robson Harris flashed a little bit more. They are two separate and totally independent and kind of opposite players of what they kind of bring to the table. I do believe if you combine the two, you have yourself one sturdy defensive end, but unfortunately science is not really 
given us that ability just yet. But I'm curious, um, are you confident, say, if they bring both of them back next year with the defensive line kind of depth, or are you still looking to add more talent? No, if they if they bring both of them back, I'm pretty confident with the defensive line talent. I mean, maybe they could draft someone or bring in some some a veteran free agent, maybe on a cheap deal to just compete. But yeah, you're totally right about combining them. They'd be a perfect defensive end if you could do that. Um, I like Roy Robertson Harris a little bit more. I think he provides more of a pass rush. I really like him on in nickel package. Uh, Jonathan Bullard, I actually would not be super surprised if he is cut. Um, I think he they would save almost a million dollars by cutting him. And if but Nolan Nichols has passed him and Roy Robinson Harris has passed him. How much playing time is he actually going to really get? Or maybe you can bring in an undrafted free agent to get the same kind of production uh, for a little cheaper. So, um, I, again, wouldn't be surprised if he's got, wouldn't be surprised if he's back. But um, I do like the depth on the, on the defensive line. Yeah, I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but if my memory yeah. serves me correctly, I think he only played like 300, less than 350 snaps last year, Bowler did on defense, which, again, yeah. even though I say a million dollars in the grand scheme of things isn't killing you in the cap, obviously, that's still a lot right. of money to throw away for less than you know 500 snaps on defense, like you mentioned. So yeah. he is someone that is kind of in that rookie territory. B, what would you do? Would you bring him back for a million dollars or not? Uh, it really depends on what else is out there. Uh, I mean, if Ryan Pace hits the uh, fourth round like he has consistently the last couple of years at that position, I mean, I wouldn't say I'm content. I mean, you bring those two guys back, and that's totally fine. They were good rotational pieces, and it was all fine and dandy. Uh, but if there's an opportunity to upgrade, especially in that fourth round like Ryan Pace likes to hit, uh, then I don't see John Bullard really coming back because I'm with Steve. I like Roy Robertson-Harris a lot. I've liked him a lot more uh, from the beginning uh, than John Bullard. Uh, so I, I frankly am on the wrong side of the fence for John Bullard. I think that he gets cut if there's an opportunity to upgrade. All right. Any final thoughts about the defensive line? It's a, Again, the defense is odd. The offense had a little bit more wiggle room, but obviously when you're returning on minimum 9 of 11 starters, you're not looking to make many splash moves here. We don't really have the financial capital to do so at that. Uh, so any final thoughts about the defensive line, where they're going, anything about last year that kind of stood out that you wanted to kind of get off your chest now? Games are won and lost here. Uh, I'll start with that, as I you know, like to say with every uh, trench player that's out there. So I think that the fact that these guys, uh, you know, there's not a whole lot of capital to move these guys around. I think this is a very solidified group of guys like they, you know, they hang out with each other. They're, you know, they have the chemistry with each other. I guess that's what I was trying to say. Uh, so I know what to expect of each other. They're going to hold each other accountable uh, and they know what their roles are, uh, which is very important because that's where. Uh, like I said, it's not just in the trenches, but it's also in the mindset. Be that, that role player. Not everyone has to be a star. So I think that this is a very solid group moving forward, even if they uh, decide to add some guys just to some competition and one of them ends up losing somewhere. I mean, I think this is just a very round, uh, very well-rounded group with a lot of depth and a lot of talent. Here you go, Steve. I got a question for you about Keem Hicks. So I feel like we should talk about him, even though he is, you know, yeah. he's, a, he's a foundational okay. piece. He's there. Last year, uh, compared to, say, 2017, he did see a decline in snaps in 2018, and we wanted that because he was playing mm-hmm. way too many. Do you think the Bears found the right amount of snaps for him to play or at this stage of his career as he isn't getting any younger? I'm not, I believe right. Akeem Hicks can still play at a high level for a few more years to come. Uh, do you see him playing around the same amount, or do you see potentially him getting a little bit more rest uh, this season as well compared to last year? Uh, I'd imagine he probably plays around the same uh, percentage. I'm all for defensive linemen and pass rushers getting a, a breather from now uh, every now and then because you got to keep them fresh. But 
Uh, I think he actually got stronger as the year went on, as opposed to two years ago where he kind of tailed off at the end of the year. Mm -hmm. So I think he's he's found a good percentage. If they want to cut it back a little bit, I'm okay with that, but I don't want to take Akeem Hicks off the field too much. All right. I'm going to wrap up that discussion here on the defensive line by saying, saying something I did uh, with the offensive state of the franchise. Even though this position feels to be solid from top to bottom, uh, I would still bring in at least one more veteran, one more rookie, just to add more talent to the discussion, uh, to add a little bit more competition there. Because, And I think the Bears follow this mantra, uh, whereas the more competition you have, you know, the whole iron sharpens iron thing. In the NFL, too, if you're not getting any better, you're getting worse because everyone around you is getting better. So even though we do, do believe it's uh, the depth is there, I uh, would not be surprised if they invest um, either in a veteran for a decent price or even uh, one of our limited draft picks at this position as well. All right. Next up, we're going to talk about the Bears outside linebackers. But first, I'm going to call a quick timeout to tell you about our show sponsor, SeatGeek. Getting tickets to your favorite game online can just be far too complicated. With hundreds of sites and varying levels of reliability, it's hard to know exactly who you should trust. And that's why we're proud to partner with SeatGeek. And really, they're the only way to go. And what makes SeatGeek unique is that they pull millions of tickets into one place so you can easily find the seats that you want for a price that you're willing to pay. How personalized can a financial plan be when it's created by one of those robo-advisors? Plugging in standard algorithm to calculate insurance need and future wealth of random human client. Robots don't know you. We do. At Farm Bureau Financial Services, getting to know you always comes first. Together, we'll create a financial plan based on your specific goals. Find a local Farm Bureau advisor at fbfs.com protect. It's your future. Let's protect it. There's nothing quite like being at the event that you want to be at in person. And SeatGeek will get you closer to the action for a great value. And as you know, there's a lot of reasons why I love SeatGeek. But this week, I just want to tell you a little bit about their notifications because, boy, do I love them. Number one, they're customizable. You can get uh, push notifications on any of your devices um, in any way, shape, or form that is tailored to your preferences. And on top of that, for me personally, I love how it shows me uh, either the teams or the events that I'm interested in attending. So if I look at some events or check out the Bears tickets, for example, um, and on top of that, they kind of let you know what's going on nearby. Like, so for me, I live in Bloomington, so let me know what's going on in Bloomington, also Indianapolis. And sometimes you find some events that I'm really interested in that I had no idea were actually taking place. And even better, if you look at an event and you decide now is not the time to buy tickets, they do let you know if there's a significant price drop on the average price per ticket. And I love that because that way you can go right back in. And if it's a little bit more uh, aligned with your budget after the price drop, you can go in there, snag those deals before those tickets end up not being available any longer. So SeatGeek is designed to make your ticket buying experience easier than ever. So make sure to make SeatGeek your go-to ticket source for everything from sports and concerts to comedy and theater. And the best part of all is that our listeners get $10 off their first SeatGeek purchase. Just download the app and enter the promo code BEARS today. That's promo code BEARS, B-E-A-R-S, for $10 off your first SeatGeek purchase. Alrighty, you're listening to the Chicago Audible Podcast. I'm your host, Little Wit. I'm joined by my co-host, Brandon Hazlett, and also our site writer, Steve Letizia. And we are giving you the current state of the Chicago Bears defense here midway through the month of February. And we're moving our discussion towards the Bears outside linebackers, who, of course, had a great year. Uh, and on top of that, of course, Cleo Mack. Thank you for coming to Chicago. Thank you, John Gruden. I had to get that all out of the way. But to be able to watch Cleo Mack for, you know, all season long firsthand to witness what kind of player he has uh, was just such 
an amazing experience. I'm excited to see where we can take that going further. And on top of that, outside of Mac, we saw Leonard Floyd last season. He started off slow due to his hand injury. But uh, he, too, like Steve talked about with Akeem Hicks, he got better as the season wore on. And I want to begin this discussion actually with a fan question. And it comes from Bijan Brown. And let's go ahead and hand over to Brandon first. As great as Khalil Mack is, do you think that he has another level to reach? And will Coach Pagano impact that? Yeah, I think Pagano could uh, definitely impact that because he's a more aggressive guy. Uh, We've seen Fangio uh, take his outside linebackers into coverage sometimes, which is kind of with both Leonard Floyd and Cleo Mack. uh, I mean, I would advise against that just because we know how powerful that they can be in the pass rush. And I think Pagano realizes that and he's going to send them as often as he can. Uh, so I think if there is another level for Cleo Mack to reach, uh, Pagano is going to be the guy that, that gets him there just because of his aggressive mentality. What about you, Steve? I'd be curious to this because I believe what we saw out of Cleo Mack early on in the season was nothing short than, you know, awe-inspiring and fantastic, phenomenal, any other thesaurus word I can throw in there. And then he had, after his ankle injury, it was a little bit down and up, which, again, um, it's he's all pro, perennial, not complaining one bit. But I'd be curious, do you think he can take his play to yet another level next season? Is that possible? Uh, yeah, I don't know. It's hard to expect more out of Khalil Mack than he gave us last season. Um, but he did miss two games to injury, and then he was also injured for two other games. And he also didn't have a, a preseason and came to the Bears late, obviously. So maybe just because of those factors, his stat sheet, he might put up more stats on the stat sheet, might get up to 15 sacks maybe, but I think it's hard to expect more of an impact out of a player than Khalil Mack than, than the impact he had on our defense last season. Uh, yeah. But you never know. Mm-hmm, exactly. And that's what I was saying. Like He's so good. It's yeah. the if room anyone for improvement smaller, but it, yeah. it would be him. <laughs> yeah. All right, so let's go ahead and bounce to the other side. Let's look at Leonard Floyd. Obviously, from the sack department, he really didn't reach the level that we all thought he kind of could be at this stage of his career. And I understand that, like Brandon mentioned, he was asked to do a lot of different things, not just purely rush the passer. And despite having less sacks than he thought uh, he had, he did impact games, uh, especially later on in the in the season. Um, again, in multiple ways, and than just the stats uh, and the sacks. So, Brandon, over to you. I want, I'm just curious, and let's have some fun here. What are some of your way-too-early expectations for Floyd next year in this, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say new system, but I'm going to say fine-tuned system, if he can remain healthy? I think uh, we see more tackles out of him, more total tackles. He finished with 47. I bet he can get up there closer to 60 because he's so good at setting the edge and stopping the run. I think that he can see an increase in the total tackle category when he's healthy, if he can stay healthy uh, for the entire year. And then I would expect that sack number to go up. Uh, I wouldn't say quite to double digits because it's really hard to compete with Cleo Mack for the amount of sacks because you know when he's pushing guys with one arm, that's really hard to compete with. But Leonard Floyd's also a good hand fighter. Uh, he's quick. He's going to be able to blow past guys as well. So I would say that his sack number can go from four, I'll say, to eight or nine. I think he can double the amount of sacks he had as long as he can stay healthy. But he's just uh, he's just an aggressive player. I expect that total tackle number to go up because he's going to be able to be a bigger part of stopping the run, be able to be more aggressive. And he's just also really good at setting the edge. He's very underrated as far as his run defense goes. Steve, do you have any, because again, I know you love edge rushers and watching the film on them. With Leonard Floyd, is there something that he can kind of fine-tune, refine, work on this offseason to really help him take that next step? Um, yeah, he just needs to get better at converting the speed to power. He's got that quick first step, but he's not 
he's able to set the edge in the run game, but he's not able to convert and convert uh, his pass rush to power in the in the pass rush game. So uh, he needs to get a little bit stronger. I know he's like I said, he sets the edge well in the run game, but a little bit stronger in the uh, um, in the upper body for uh, to rush the passer. He can use his hands a lot better. Um, he kind of relies on that inside move a lot. Um, and he, he is so fast, so it, it's, he sets it up nicely. But, um, yeah, he can get better with his hands and, and get a little stronger. But, yeah, I, I don't know if I see him ever getting being a double-digit sack guy um, that I thought he could when we drafted him. I was kind of expecting me to get a kind of a double-digit sack guy. But if he can be a six, seven, eight sack a year guy opposite Khalil Mack, that's fine. And, and, and then also be really strong in the run game like he's shown he can do. All right, I have a two-part question to kind of wrap up our discussion on the outside linebackers. Uh, and again, we don't really know the fates of an Aaron Lynch or an Isaiah Irving right now at the moment, and we're going to talk about each soon. But looking at the outside linebackers as it stands, I'm going to know, A, your confidence level in the position, because personally I think it does need some attention. I think the Bears are in need of some better depth here. And this part two, uh, Kylie Fitz, uh, what are the chances that he can take on a bigger role next year? Because obviously that would be ideal if he can uh, be groomed into and grow into a decent, what I'm going to say, role kind of guy. Uh, Steve, I'm just curious your thoughts here. Yeah, I, I liked Kyle Fitz when we, when we drafted him. He didn't. He showed a little bit in the preseason that it was pretty impressive. He didn't really show much during the regular season, although he didn't get much of an opportunity. Um, but yeah, I think he'll he'll be uh, he'll be given every shot to be a part of the rotation. Um, again, I don't see him ever being a starter. But if you can be a th- that third, fourth pass rusher who can come in and give Khalil Mack a breather, that's kind of what the best case scenario I think for, for him next season. What about you, B? Uh, either on Fizz or just your overall confidence in the Bears' depth at the position? Because I believe Leonard Floyd, Khalil Mack, great. No worries there. But behind them, that's where things get murky for me. Right. The overall theme of the outside linebacker, for me, the confidence is is wavering a little bit. Like you said, Leonard Floyd, Khalil Mack, obviously all-stars, uh, punch them in. You know, they're, they're these solid guys that are going to be there, the staples of that position. And last year we thought, going into it, that the outside linebackers are going to be the strength of the team. That was prior to Kilmack because we had Aaron Lynch. We we're like, well, we're not really sure what we're getting out of him, you know, and he turns out he's got this really high motor and can really overpower guys. It almost seems like when he wants to. So I don't know necessarily how much his want uh, is necessarily to be an outside linebacker. I know he has his health issues, uh, so that could definitely reflect that as well as he's trying to be a little bit more conservative. But regardless, uh, I'm bringing in guys uh, to try and compete for the depth. I expect, uh, like Steve Kelly Fitz, to get every opportunity to be a part of the rotation as he can. Uh, but there's got to be some sort of uh, fire lit under this position uh, to get the most out of it because if Leonard Floyd, as we've seen, really struggles to stay healthy, uh, who's your backup there? Because uh, if you don't bring back Aaron Lynch, then you're looking at Kylie Fitz. Like he, like Steve said, he impressed in training camp in the preseason, uh, but sometimes that's against lesser competition or competition of the same uh, level as Kylie Fitz. So once he gets up there against the starters, how well is he going to perform? It's still yet to be remain, you know, remain to see. So stick around. But regardless, I expect there to be uh, some sort of veteran brought in, uh, some sort of undrafted free agent. Uh, some sort of maybe they even draft a guy at this position, but I think this is one of the highlights uh, that Ryan Pace has to hit in this offseason uh, just to add some some more depth to really round out the position. Yeah, because unlike other positions like corner and safety and even inside linebacker, this is a true rotation, and that's what makes it uh, very important. Because for me, when I look at this, I really see it as this. Leonard Floyd and Cleo Mack, again, we understand what those what they bring to the table, their strengths, their weaknesses. <laughs> Cleo Mack has a weakness, okay. Um, and on top of that, <laughs> uh, once they're out, though, we can find one or two guys, and maybe Isaiah Fitz 
Isaiah Fitz. Isaiah Irving is one. Maybe Kylie <laughs> Fitz is two. Maybe Aaron Lynch comes back. Maybe that's something I, I'm not even 100% behind myself. But we saw flashes out of a Lynch last year who can be the kind of guy who I want, where if Khalil Mack needs three to four plays off, they come in high energy, going up against a fatigued offensive tackle and finding a way to make an impact. We didn't have that a lot last year. As soon as Khalil Mack went off the field, as soon as Leonard Floyd took a breather, you saw a noticeable difference. And I understand you're not going to have the same kind of talent, but if you can find those high motor guys who can take advantage of already worn down linemen in the mid later stages of the game, that's what would make this defense uh, take him to the next step, I believe. And it would be a lot of fun to see. You know, Khalil Mack, even if he needs to take uh, a two-minute breather and whoever comes in can just be disruptive, that's the kind of guy we're looking for. And hopefully the Bears can find a way to get one or two, two of those guys this offseason. But guys, let's go into slide inside. And something that really pleases me in hindsight was this unit's ability to remain healthy. And I guess that comment is more of Danny Trevathan uh, than anything else here. And obviously, this was due to his ability uh, to be available for the first time all season as a Chicago Bear. And of course, watching the rise of Roquan Smith, uh, it was a lot of fun to watch these two really lock down the middle of the field. So Brandon, over to you. Uh, what are some things that you saw at Roquan Smith uh, that A, displayed growth, and B, that proved that he is adjusting to the pro level? And do you envision uh, the game slowing down for him in year two? Because I do. I think a lot of people do as well. And how should that even help further elevate his play? Yeah, uh, I mean, we knew when we drafted Roquan, we were getting the athleticism, uh, the very good coverage linebacker that he is, and that's exactly what we've seen. And I think the game actually slowed down for him as the year went on because his productivity went up. I mean, he always seemed to find himself around the ball early in the year, but as the year got on, he was always consistently around the ball, which is what you want out of an inside linebacker because Danny Trevathan was the same way. Uh, well, he still is the same way. So I, I, the inside linebacker position in general is the strongest on this defense, in my opinion, uh, because of Roquan's athletic ability, his smarts of the game. And once he slows it down a little bit more, then I think he's just going to see everything so clearly, and he's just going to be this this all-star inside linebacker for years and years to come. Then I think the Bears absolutely hit a home run with Roquan there. And then you just kind of go over to Danny Trevathan, who's really the same way, just a smart guy. He's a little undersized. You know, it's kind of the common knock on him. But regardless, uh, he's still good in coverage. I think he had an interception or two this year. Uh, you know, very good at getting into uh, the quarterback, uh, the pocket when he's asked to, uh, putting the pressure on the quarterback when he's asked to. Same with Roquan. I think Roquan had three sacks this year as well. So just this whole group overall is just very well-rounded. And I think Roquan still has a, I'll say a lot of growth still. I think once he slows things down, gets more experience under his belt, he's going to be in really good shape, be a really good linebacker. Steve, scale one to 10, how likely is it that Roquan Smith is a pro bowler in 2019? Okay. Um, I'm going to go as high as 10. I think it's, he's definitely going to be a pro bowl. If he plays the way he did the last 10 weeks of the season, there's no way he's not making to the pro bowl. Um, yeah. Especially with a full off season with the bears, a full training camp with the bears. There's, if he's healthy, he's going to be a pro bowler. That's two bold predictions for me today. You're on it. I love it though. I love it. This is why we brought you on for the bold predictions and it's not even a game preview. So that makes it even more uh, well, I was going to say more better, but it sounds terrible. That's terrible English. Uh, <laughs> but I do actually have another question about Danny Trevathan, and this one is for Steve, too. And I don't want to do scale 1 to 10 because I just did. So what, how about we rank it from uh, not likely, somewhat likely, moderately likely, and very likely. What are the chances that this is Danny Trevathan's final year in Chicago? He is on the last year of his deal. Yeah, um, I'd say probably moderately likely. Um, I think Danny Trevathan has been a great bear. It's been a great signing. Now that he's finally healthy last year, he 
proved that he is the linebacker that we thought we were getting when we signed him. Um, so I would love to have him beyond next year. But I think uh, the Bears like Nick Wikowski. They like Joel Iebunyewe, if I pronounce that right. Um, but uh, I, I think they'll, with Roquan Smith in there now, taking over the kind of the primary role, calling the players on the defense, uh, which he'll do once Trevathan is is gone. I think they'll feel comfortable letting him go and using that money elsewhere. They they will have some some money issues going into next offseason, just like they do this offseason. So I think this is most likely the Trevathan's last year. But yeah. not because he's been bad, but just because that's just the nature of the business. So. Exactly. And nature that's a good way to put it, just the nature of the business. Because like you said, uh, for these next few years and uh, for the foreseeable future, a lot of money constraints coming up, which – if the Bears are going to be relevant and they're going to be, you know, perennially in the playoffs and making deep playoff runs, that's a fine situation to be in. Um, now, of course, if they underperform, that's a whole different uh, scenario. But I don't think any of us envision that really uh, going in that direction. But you mentioned uh, that the finally a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Bears like Nick Wachowski and they like Iggy. So Brandon, what's your confidence in those two guys in the overall depth at this position? This just goes along with what I was saying, how these this position is itself is, I think, the strongest on the team because Nick Kukoski has the starting experience. Uh, I mean, other other people uh, with this podcast group may not agree with that, uh, calling out Will Ingles here. Uh, not necessarily the biggest Nick Kukoski fan, but regardless, he's got the, the starting experience and he may be slow in his first step uh, when it comes to a pass rush or hitting the hole, being hesitant to get in there and make the play on the running back. Uh, but he did play a little bit of, of coverage in college, I think is something that he can rely rely back on because Chuck Pagano is a very good uh, coverage defensive coordinator. Uh, so going forward, I expect that to be a strength uh, of Nick Kukoski rather than having to be that downhill guy. And Jolie Booneyway, I mean, he's just a, a freak athlete. His arms are huge. He's just really, really strong. And I have total uh, confidence in him to be able to come in uh, and fill a role if need be because I've seen a stat today. I think it was from our friend Lester uh, Wilt Fong at Windy City Gridiron where he led the team in solo special teams tackles this year. So he's a ball hog just as much as the rest of these inside linebackers are. You know, you talked about, you know, freak athletic ability. I think you have some freak lingual uh, ability for being able to whip out EA Booney way as yeah. casually as he did. No problem. I know it. I've been practicing it. I don't know why, but in the truck, I'm like, Booney way, EA Booney way. I don't know why. <laughs> That's odd. The strange. <laughs> I'm not gonna, not gonna lie there. Wow, I don't think I said yeah. that in the podcast in a few years actually. But uh, moving forward, uh, from my old catchphrases, uh, Steve, and this is nitpicking <laughs> at this point. Um, but is there one thing that you can think of uh, that the inside linebackers can improve on from last year to 2019? Ooh, uh, that's a tough one. They, I was really impressed with the work on Smith and Danny Trevathan. Um, something they can improve upon. That's a tough question. Say, I hey, that's a good problem know. to have. Yeah, <laughs> I'm drawing a blank here. That is a good problem to have. I think they played great. I, I, if they continue to do what they're doing, that's 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 good enough for me. <laughs> Just like Eddie Goldman. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> I like it. All right. Any other thoughts on the inside guys before we move over to the secondary? This is a position that I don't think that really needs to be touched. I mean, they can bring guys in for competition purposes, try and get the most out of these other four that they have. 
but I don't see any sort of movement uh, this year as far as players go. They may, you know, add a couple guys here and there, try and prepare for uh, past Danny Trevathan era, but I don't expect it to be anything major this year. The one thing I'll, I'll say is, um, I'm not sure if this is going to happen, but uh, Nick Kwiatkowski did get that uh, hit those escalator clauses. So he's making $2 million this year. I wouldn't be surprised if he were maybe traded for a mid-round pick potentially because you do have Dan mm-hmm. Trevathan for one more year. And maybe they like EA Bunye, or maybe they decide to draft someone else. But just something to look out for. You never know. But uh, he did hit. He's making more money than he he will he did last year. So. Hey, and we're just talking about the million dollars uh, for who was that million dollars for? Uh, Don Bullard. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, yep. same same scenario really with Nick Lukowski. Uh, it's two million mm-hmm. too much money for a potentially third uh, to fourth on the depth chart inside linebacker who just primarily plays on special teams. That's a good question to consider throughout this offseason. No doubt about it, especially if other options do present themselves. Mm-hmm. All right, let's go ahead and officially shift our focus to that Bears secondary, and let's begin at cornerback. The Bears will at least be returning both outside starters in Prince of Mukamara and Kyle Fuller. And outside of that, there are some questions, uh, not just with Bryce Callahan returning or not, but just the overall depth of this position as well. But let's go ahead and begin and take a look at Kyle Fuller, who put together a spectacular season that ended up going to a Pro Bowl, which congratulations for Kyle for turning around uh, his career in such a great manner. But I'm curious, and Brandon, I want to go to you first. What's your confidence uh, that he'll be able to maintain that level of play, especially given the fact that he's losing his DB's coach, Ed Donatel, who was behind uh, you know, a lot of his resurrection? Yeah, I mean, I'm still pretty confident in, in Kyle Fuller because Chuck Pagano has also shown that he can play, you know, just as good coverage as anybody else out there. Uh, and I think that's really going to be important for him, uh, especially with as aggressive as he likes to be. I expect to see a few more blitzes this year from the defense in general. So that's going to put Kyle Fuller, Prince of Mukamara, uh, the other nickel corner, whoever that may be, whether it's Bryce Callahan or not, uh, that's going to put them on islands from time to time. And I think uh, Pagano is going to put a lot of pressure on Kyle Fuller and these guys. Uh, be able to step up and be able to continue to do what they did last year in order to force those turnovers because pressure is going to be coming. Uh, so they got to be able to make the most of the opportunities of these bad passes that come out of it. Uh, and I think Kyle Fuller is definitely that guy who's shown uh, that he can he can do that. He uh, took the role that not a lot of us thought that he could fill. Uh, I was confident. I might just want to throw that one out there. But uh, I didn't expect this type of production out of him at all. So I think that it's a, it's a good confidence builder for him, especially because now teams know, you know we can't really pick on Kyle Fuller in these one-on-one situations as much as teams tried to. Uh, I just don't think that's possible. I think he's just got so much confidence right now uh, that I don't really see his play declining enough for teams to want to just pick on him on a regular basis. Brandon, do you want to know why I'm confident in Kyle Fuller? I do. Because every time you doubt him, he proves you wrong. And that's been his whole theme of his entire career. Um, As soon as he started dipping from his first four games as a rookie, uh, people were starting to question him, his overall, not just ability, his work ethic, his his desire to be in Chicago. And ever since, he, and even taking a whole year off, he has proven everybody wrong at every turn. And so for that reason, and there's been a few times on the podcast where I want to say, you know, I'm sorry, Kyle, for even doubting you in the past. So for me, uh, I'm going to not make that mistake again. I believe that... <laughs> Uh, like here, I'll pull a Steve. If he can re- if he can maintain his same level of play from last year and carry it over to 2019, I would have no problems with that. How'd I do, Steve? Good job. I like that answer. <laughs> do you have anything else to add about Kyle? Um, I mean, yeah, I just kind of agree with you guys. He he was fantastic last year. He's actually been fantastic the last two years. Um, he just finally got some started getting some picks this last year, so he finally got recognized. He was an All Pro, right? I believe so. Yes. Yeah, All yeah. Pro. Yeah, he was an All Pro. Sorry. Um, yeah. So yeah. Um, 
keep doing what you're doing. And one thing I'll say is, despite being one of the best corners in the league the last couple of years, he's actually one of the most targeted corners in the league the last yes. couple of years. So the one thing that might happen is if he gets targeted a little bit less, which I think he should, his interception numbers might go down a little bit, but that does not mean he's not still locking down his guy. So, yeah, I'm really excited about Kyle Fuller. See, and that's why even though stats are awesome, uh, especially to make some arguments, uh, there's other reasons to you know understand why potentially he might not have the same uh, inter- interceptions next year if he's not going to be. Because right. two years ago, he was the most targeted corner in the NFL, and he wasn't last year, but I know he was up there as well. So there. to your point, yeah. he may be targeted less. And a big reason why he may is because we don't know if Bryce Callahan is coming back. And if Bryce Callahan doesn't come back, that may be a big hole in that slot cornerback position that, you know, quarterbacks may want to target early and often next season. So, Steve, right back to you. How big of a hole would that be if Bryce Callahan doesn't end up being a Chicago Bear? And how hard would it be to fill either via free agency or the draft? Yeah, I think it would be a huge hole. Um, Bryce Callahan has played so well when he is healthy. Unfortunately, he can't stay healthy, um, which is – and if he could stay healthy, he probably would already have a new contract. But um, – yeah, I think it'd be a huge hole. We saw it last, I mean, this this past season when the playoffs, um, I mean, um, uh, well, I'm blanking on it. Sherrick McManus Sherrick? played, yeah, Sherrick McManus played all right, but he wasn't Bryce Callahan. Um, and I don't think you can rely on Sherrick McManus going forward, really. He's more of a career special teamer. So, yeah, it would be a huge hole. Um, it And it will be a hard one to replace because people like to say any corners can play nickel, but that's just not true. Nickel corner is an extremely hard position to play, so... If you decide to take someone in the draft, there's no guarantee that works out. And if you decide to go through free agency, um, you're probably going to have to get, if you can't sign Bryce Callahan, you're probably going to have to go cheap in free agency anyway. So there's no guarantee that works out either. So, yeah, I think that's that's the biggest issue with the Bears defense so uh, right now. Yes, and for those wondering why Sherrick McManus may not be a long-term fit, because he did play, like Steve said, admirably in his spot. And even in the regular season, he played very well. Uh, but to Steve's point, he is a career special teamer, and I believe that in a spot situation, uh, he was able to kind of hold his own. I think he got exposed slightly, um, like Steve mm-hmm. mentioned, in the playoffs. Uh, but for a full 16-game plus, ideally, hopefully, season next year, uh, he's just not the long-term answer there. Their teams will figure out how to exploit him because there's a reason why he's been a special teams, but I don't want that to be a negative for him because this isn't the role that he was really uh, brought in here to have. And in, despite that, when he was given the opportunity, he did, for the most part, play very well, and I appreciate it at the time. But that's just not an ideal situation for the Bears to kind of pursue for a 2019 full-season kind of answer, if that makes sense. But, Brandon, over to you. Uh, I believe that we're all on board that Bryce Callahan would be a big hole, so I don't want to kind of beat the dead horse there. What is uh, Looking at these players, who has the biggest chance uh, to improve and who has the biggest chance to regress? Uh, well, just I want to add on the Bryce Callahan thing real oh. quick. Uh, well, they could resign him for I don't want to, you know, I'll almost say a bargain deal because with him not being able to stay healthy, that almost plays into the Bears' favor as far as getting a, a favorable number back to him. I expect him still to ask for a lot, but regardless, I think they could still almost get him on a bargain deal just because he can't stay healthy and they can kind of hold that against him as much as that sucks. But uh, which player is the most uh, opportunity to grow. I'm actually going to kind of say Sherrick because he hasn't had that uh, opportunity to really, I mean, under this coaching regime, I think maybe the first couple years uh, with Vic Fangio, he played nickel and he was terrible. Like when we first started this podcast, I remember never wanting to see Sherrick McManus play nickel cornerback again. Uh, but he, 
stepped in and he kind of changed my mind a little bit this year when replacing Bryce Callahan. So that makes me think that he still has some room to grow despite being a career special teamer. I do agree with you guys that that is more of his role. So that's probably where he's going to end up. Uh, but as far as the one that's most likely to regress, I'm actually going to say Prince and Mugamara uh, because he's if, the teams aren't going to target Kyle Fuller as much. Uh, we've seen where Prince can be exposed from time to time when sometimes he'll get beat off the line. He's holding guys down the field where he gets good penalties. Uh, I think it was two years ago where I think the last quarter of the year, he was just consistently holding guys down the field. And that was like a one guaranteed flag. Every game was something on Prince of Mukamara because he was just getting beat off the line. And uh, now with him getting a little bit older, uh, he also hasn't had the healthiest um, career line when you look at it. So all that may be starting to catch up with him with his age and things of that nature. So I would be looking at uh, Prince as a guy uh, to potentially regress as much as that's not going to be good for the bears because I don't know that they have a plan to really fill that void at the moment. So if he doesn't uh, really pan out, I guess this year, or it starts to show those signs of regression, I don't know what their backup plan is for him. Well, he's making a lot of money, so he better not take any steps back in right. 2019. I will say I disagree uh, with it being Sherrick McManus as most improved. I think what we saw last year may just be his ceiling at that position. Um, I, I appreciate the enthusiasm behind him, but uh, for me, I think well, that may be with, his top. Yeah, and I, I can agree with that, but with Chuck coming in and everything I'm seeing is him being this really great secondary coach, uh, that makes me think that we can get a little bit more out of Sherrick. I don't know that it's a whole lot, but I, if he's going to be a regular starter, that's he's not. He's not. I hope not. Fingers crossed. Should not, yeah, be, the, should not be the situation we're in whatsoever. Right. I trust Ryan Pace yeah. to make sure that that is not how we're starting the 2019 <laughs> season. Uh, all things considered, Steve, how about you? Do you have any strong opinions on who has um, a who's in a position to maybe take a jump forward and maybe take a step backward? Yeah, one player I liked was Kevin Tolliver. Mm-hmm. Um, he played really well in the preseason. He had some shots in the regular season and played fine, um, you know, for a rookie. But and I think he's a chance that. But yeah, an undrafted right. Yeah, I think he has a chance to take a, a step up. Um, I kind of agree with Brandon on on uh, Prince of Mukumara. If there is someone who's going to take a step back, it's probably going to be him. Like we talked about, um, he did have some issues with penalties, and also if they people start stop targeting Kyle Fuller so much, you know, the targets have to go somewhere. So it might be Prince of Mukumara. But I think he did play extremely well last season, and I want to give him compliments for that because I was kind of not on board when we signed him to that three year deal for forget how much it was, but I thought at the time I thought it was too much. Uh, but I got to give him props. He actually played extremely well last year, and I hope he can keep it up. But yeah, if anyone's going to regress, it's probably going to be him. Sounds so bad. Such a backhanded. <laughs> hey, you, you asked the question. I got to answer it. Fair. I, I guess I need to. You know, I I gave I lobbed it up for you, and you just yeah. creamed it. So I understand. Oh, let's move on to the safeties, though, because obviously the duo of Adrian Amos and Eddie Jackson, uh, they've been more than solid over their last two years together. Um, but mm-hmm. they may be on borrowed time as Adrian Amos is up for a contract. And let's go ahead and begin with them. And I know that the Bears, obviously, and we I just need to mention it as much as possible. Uh, they don't have a ton of cap room. They can't sign everybody to a new deal. Uh, like Steve said, you know, it's just the nature of the business. I really like that phrasing. I'm going to steal that for future episodes. Yeah. Uh, fun oh, fact. Nice. I'm going to make sure I trademark that to protect myself <laughs> too. Uh, but what would you do if you're Ryan Pace in this instant? Uh, do you and and I, and I don't want to put Bryce Callahan into this equation just yet because I think we can have a good argument about that here coming up. But just on Adrian Amos, uh, would you 
would you flat out just resign him? Do you look at maybe a franchise or a transition tag? Do you just let him straight up walk? I'm just curious your thoughts because there are kind of two rules of thought when it comes to Adrian Amos. There are, you have those who believe he is elite, um, and you have those that believe he's just a product of a being surrounded by a good defense and not being asked to play as much, say, center field like an Eddie Jackson does. Uh, so I'd be really curious your thoughts here. And Brandon, uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you begin. Yeah, because uh, Adrian Amos is my guy, so I'm glad you went to me first, so I can get all this off my chest. Because I've really been thinking about this today. Um, I I don't I'm in this middle ground. I don't think necessarily that Amos is elite, uh, but he's not necessarily the product of other talent being around him. I think he's just a much better downhill player. And with Eddie Jackson being the better center fielder, there's no need for him to fill that role because Adrian Amos still had a career year this year. Uh, Let's not discount that. So I think that what Ryan Pace is going to do with him is do what he did, something similar to Kyle Fuller, where he lets the market decide what it's going to cost, and if it's too much, then he'll probably just let him walk. Uh, but frankly, I think uh, between either Amos or Callahan, I think they re-sign Amos just because Callahan struggles to stay, tr- struggles to stay healthy. And I think with uh, Amos coming off of a career like he had, uh, being that downhill uh, player to come up and be there and run support, uh, you know, he, he's shown that he can uh, uh, play very well in coverage as well. He's had a couple interceptions these last couple of years after not having any uh, for the first two years of his career. So I think that uh, Amos is a guy that, that's going to come back, but I think Ryan Pace will let the market decide. So this is a strong free uh, safety class this year, really. True free. to that. Exactly. That that it is. Uh, so there are plenty of options on the table, and you better believe that the Bears are doing everything in their power uh, to go through each and every possible scenario of who can come in, who can potentially walk out the door, how that impacts the team, both financially and also on the field. Uh, but Steve, if you're Ryan Pace, what do you do with Adrian Amos? Well, I think in my the article I wrote a few weeks ago, whatever it is now, I said they, they should not resign him. He did. Uh, but Brandon does bring up a very good point, which I realize now that it is a very strong safety class. So I'm not sure he's going to get the contract that... I thought he was going to get at the time when I wrote that article. Um, so if he, if that price tag comes down a little bit, I would love to have him back. Um, I do not think he's an elite safety by any means. I think he's a good safety, um, but I think he fits what they do really well because they have Eddie Jackson next to him. You don't need him to play center field. You just need him to uh, cover tight ends, running backs, uh, play in the slot a little bit. Um, he doesn't have great coverage skills. He doesn't have great ball skills. Even his couple of interceptions were, I think were both on tips. Mm-hmm. Um, he did make that one nice play in the playoffs, but uh, he doesn't have great ball skills, so I struggle to pay a safety who doesn't have great ball skills, but what he does do, he does extremely well, um, and that's exactly what the Bears need. So I think he's a perfect fit, um, and I think he actually will end up re-signing with the Bears, the more I've thought about it. <laughs> Changing your mind on the <laughs> podcast. That's what it's all about. I mean, good. I mean, that means you're you know being open to new ideas, which in 2019, it is hard for some people to accept new ideas. So I give you kudos for that one. Uh, so real quickly, say Amos is gone. Is Dion Bush the answer, or do you need to find someone else? Steve? Uh, I think Dion Bush would be fine in this defense. I wouldn't love going into the season with him as a starter, but because we have such a great pass, such a good front seven, and because he won't be asked to play much center field, I think he would be fine. Uh, but I think they if they do let Amos go, you can't just hand the keys to Dion Bush. you got to bring in some sort of uh, competition with him. Um, either a free agent or a draft, um, a drafted player, someone you can't just give him the keys of the car. Right. Cause like you said, he was fine. Uh, and yeah. again, he would be asked to do, like you said, not too much 
uh, which I think that kind of does play to his strong suit just a little bit. Uh, the thing about Bush that kind of rings true to me is that he was someone that Vic Fangio always talked up, and now Vic Fangio mm-hmm. isn't here. So who is going to be, and even Ed Donatel's not here, so who is in his corner to you know advocate for him to get some playing time or to be um, in a certain position on the depth chart? I don't know if that's currently in there right now because of all the turnover from the coaching staff on defense. So I'd be curious to see exactly what kind of future is in store for a Dion Bush. What about you, B? What are your thoughts on Bush either just starting or just his general 2019 outlook? DHC, DHC. <laughs> I, I, I actually think that since A. Jackson does such a good job of playing center field and just taking over the interception game as far as safeties go, uh, the both DHC and Dion Bush would be fine stepping in as they would need to be more of those downhill type of guys like we see Adrian Amos doing. I mean, these guys are going to be more role-type players as starters. Just because you're given the starter role doesn't necessarily make you the best player out there, uh, but these guys are, are serviceable and we would be able to fill the job just fine. I think that Dion Bush would be the better guy over DHC, in my opinion, although DHC was uh, a pretty good ball hawk there at William & Mary as well in his college days. But that being said, he hasn't had the amount of snaps in the NFL uh, as he did there in college. So I think that Deion Bush is the smarter pick if we're going to go that route uh, because he is more of that downhill player, just like Adrian Amos. So I think uh, those two guys, I don't want to say can be interchangeable, but uh, the role would be the same and they can execute it pretty well. Right. I know Bush can, you know, like you said, attack downhill. He can lay the wood. Uh, DHC, uh, a little bit more undersized. Like, again, we know that. Uh, yeah. He, so, yeah, it's it's a tough situation. I think regardless, uh, this is another position, kind of like corner. Uh, and kind of like outside of Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd, an outside linebacker, where I get very worried about the overall depth behind a few of these starters. Uh, so hopefully, uh, again, bring more bodies to it uh, with our current cap situation. Not going to bring be able to bring any like star stud names potentially. Uh, but still, anytime you can add more talent, even if we even if Amos comes back, I think they might want to kind of tailor to the back end, just either with an undrafted free agent coming in, a, a veteran coming in something along those lines just to get more bodies out there. And again, they're going to do that because you bring in, you know, 90 guys training camp. So it's going to happen. Just a question of who. So what's your confidence level then, I guess, in, in the backups? It, it, it drops. 10. As soon as Adrian Amos is gone, it drops drastically. If he's there, I'm fine. I think you can roll with it. But if he's gone until you have a replacement that I'm confident and comfortable with, it, it gets real thin real fast as soon as he's gone. Okay, I was just curious because I mean I'm trying to think of any like big blunders that these backups had. I mean Deion Bush has had his communication issues in the past. I think he had you know one or two this year at least, uh, but I can't think of any other huge blunders that these guys have shown as far as weaknesses go, other than just kind of being undersized like DHC. So that's just why I bring up the question. So I would say Deion Bush. I agree with you. Uh, with DHC, I don't think he's ever had the opportunity to display those blunders. That's also true. Which is fine. I'm not. I'm yeah, not opposed to that totally whatsoever. Fine. All right. So real quickly, let's go through these positions, and I want you to give me your top three needs in order on defense. Steve looks like he is uh, scrambling to put that together. So <laughs> Brandon, I'm gonna be nice because Steve's not on the podcast as a regular, or else I would be playing a little bit of hardball here. Uh, so Brandon, over to you. What are gonna be your top three needs? Uh, I'll start with the least need, and I'm gonna say uh, that it is. Uh, safety depth. 
I will agree with you there. I think we can improve at that position as far as quality depth goes, whether they bring back Adrian Amos or not, they have to be able to address uh, and be able to improve either Deion Bush or DHC by bringing in other guys, uh, things of that nature, just to make them improve. So I think that uh, the quality of depth, not necessarily the quantity of guys there, but the quality of that depth needs to improve. So that's a need that I'm looking at. I'm also looking at the outside linebacker depth at number two uh, because that's like we talked about outside of Leonard Floyd, Kilmack, there's not really anybody that's reliable. Granted, those are all rotational pieces. Uh, but if Leonard Floyd continues to not have these healthy seasons where he doesn't play all 16 games, I mean, he only missed, I mean, he had the injured hand, so he was able to play. I think he maybe only missed one game all year. Uh, but regardless, those backup pieces need to be there for those rotational minutes, especially with an aggressive Chuck Pagano. They need to be able to continue to send the pass rush. And if Cleo Mack and Leonard Floyd are not, uh, totally healthy, as we've seen in the middle quarter of the season. Uh, the Bears kind of struggled to get to the the quarterback, which wasn't really uh, on any of our radars as far as a weakness, as far as the overall team goes. So the backup depth for outside linebackers, number two. And the biggest need is going to be that nickel corner, um, because just because we're not sure about uh, Bryce Kelly. And like I said, they might be able to get him on a bargain deal because he also can't stay healthy. Uh, but if Chuck Pagano is going to be as aggressive as I hear that uh, he's going to be as far as just because that's his coaching style, uh, then he's got to be able to get reliable corners out there to be able to keep these guys uh, close in one-on-one situations, be those sticky guys that we talk about with Prince and Bryce. Uh, so that's uh, my number one need is the nickel corner, whether that is Bryce or not. Uh, they just got to be able to have someone reliable if uh, Pagano draws up all these blitzes. All right. What about you, Steve? Yeah, it's hard to it's hard to say right now because we know we're pro- they're probably going to resign one of Bryce Callahan or Adrian Amos. Um, mm-hmm. But if we're going just based on where we are at today, I'm going to be super boring and I'm going to agree with Brandon. Same order. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the, the safeties, I think, with the safeties, I think, like you said, Dion Bush would be fine if we have to go in with him as the starter at one of the safety spots. So that's why it's the third biggest need. Um Outside linebacker, I think, is the second biggest need. Right now, we don't have a third pass rusher. And you obviously need you need three good pass rushers, maybe even four. So uh, I think that's actually maybe even a bigger need than some people might realize because we do have Khalil Mack and Leonard Floyd, but they have to come off the field at some point. Um, so I think that's a pretty big need. And then we talked about it. Bryce Callahan, if, if he's not re-signed, they don't have any faith in anyone else really on the roster to kind of take over that role. So that becomes the biggest need. You either have to get a big as big of a free agent as you can get with the limited cap space or a high draft pick or third or fourth round pick um so i think that is pretty clear cut the biggest need right now all right uh, i'm gonna slightly disagree uh, but not too much we actually have the same position so this a little bit differently in order i have safety as number one uh until you know what's happening with adrian amos um even though you guys are a little bit more confident in say a dm bush to take over than i am uh i would still Classify that as a need. Uh, if Amos walks out, then you, I think you need to find a quote-unquote someone who you, you believe can step in and be a starter. And then if somehow Deion Bush finds a way to beat them in training camp, great. If not, uh, then you found that guy uh, the, to be your replacement for Adrian Amos. But until you have that, for me, it's going to be my top need. Directly below slot cornerback, you guys mentioned it. If, we, if Bryce Callahan comes back, this obviously goes out the window. Um, but until he's locked down with a contract, right now that's a, a definite need because we don't want to share quick man stepping into that role uh, for a full season. And then you mentioned it, outside linebacker depth, because if we need it outside of the top two, not too many uh, people to feel 100% confident about stepping in a role. So, yeah, good stuff, guys, there. Uh, real quick, 
I did want to talk about potential surprise cuts. Steve did kind of allude to two that are on my list, Nick Wachowski and John Bullard. Is there anyone else on your radar that could be potentially cut that would be a surprise? Hmm. Uh, I can't really think of anyone else. I think those two are, are could be cut, but I don't know. I know some people I've seen on Twitter that potentially Danny Trevathan could be cut. I don't think that makes any sense at all, but I just, I wanted to address it because I have seen it on Twitter. Um, so I guess that would be a surprise cut, but I really don't see that happening. Um, so yeah, no, I don't, I think those two guys, Jonathan Bullard and Nick Rakowski are really the two names that might be gone at this, when the season starts. Now, I understand Danny Trevathan from a cap standpoint because he's right. set to make a lot of money, but I agree with you that that's not the right move, and I doubt the Bears make this because it goes against everything that they've ever done. Ryan Pace mm-hmm. brought in Trevathan to be a leader at that position. He proved that he can be that, uh, and he has also proven now he can stay healthy. There's no way that now he's getting there, and he's kind of in, right. actually fulfilling the role that you wanted him to, uh, to say, all right, thank you, but we're going to move on. And then you still don't even know what the answer is at that position outside of him. Right. Maybe it's Nick Wachowski, maybe it's an Iggy, but even then there's still going to be a drop-off in play, even when Roquan Smith you know, takes over the re- reign, sort of speak. So, yeah, no, that makes no sense, and I don't see – Danny Trevathan grew to be a Chicago Bear. He came from Denver. He won a Super Bowl as a Bronco, but he is a Chicago Bear. He loves his Chicago. He loves his team. He loves his teammates. And I just don't see any way you let him go out the door. He is a very much um, a leader by example and a vocal leader for that Bears defense. And to let him walk, I think, would be a big mistake by Ryan Pace, even if it does save him a you know a, a pretty chunk of change. Uh, but I just don't see that being the way that Ryan Pace does business. So for me... I'm, I'm with Steve. I don't think that's going to be a possibility. I, financially, I, I get it. But when you look at the real-life kind of situation, nah, it just doesn't cut it this year. But next year, if it, if the if the nature of the league allows, then that makes sense. There you go. Uh, all right, so let's go ahead and play a game of pass or play. That's right. It's been another week, and I still haven't came up with a new name for this game. So <laughs> I'm going to give Brandon and Steve a player, and they need to tap into their inner GM and decide if the Bears should sign him to a new deal or let them walk in free agency. We have eight players, uh, so let's go ahead and begin, and let's begin with what everyone's wondering about. Brandon, what do you do with Nick Williams? With Nick Williams, he actually was a like solid D, like nose tackle in the preseason. I remember watching him in the Hall of Fame game, being able to you know basically be a, I don't want to say an Eddie Goldman type, but against that type of level of competition, it seemed like he was almost that way, you know, but uh, they're going to pass on him because they're going to clear up some cap space. I think that uh, they can find similar guys if need be for depth at that position. But yeah, I think they're, I think I'm passing on Nick Williams. Steve, what do you do on Mr. Williams? Um, I would probably pass just like Brandon, but at the same time, if they do resign them, it's going to be probably to the vet minimum. So not really a, high risk or high reward signing. So I'll just say pass. Okay. I'll, I'll say play actually. <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll be the tiebreaker here. Uh, I liked him actually last year. Uh, Cause he's been here for a couple of years. And even though he didn't see the field last year, uh, I think a, that's just due to the bears being so deep. And if you want to bring him back to training camp to be that camp body to see if he can earn himself a spot in this roster again, or maybe practice squad, I'm unsure of his eligibility. So if he's on ineligible, I apologize, but on the, on the surface, like Steve said, if he's the vet minimum, He's going into camp. I'm fine with Nick Williams coming back uh, to provide that extra body. 
Uh, let's move on to another Williams. What about Marcus Williams, uh, 31-year-old cornerback? Uh, yeah, I know you guys are like, who? <laughs> I'm just going through the contracts that are up, and I, I made sure to start off with some of the lesser-known ones here. So I guess that might just be a pass and a pass. But, Brandon, uh, what are you going to do with Marcus Williams? We do need cornerback depth. I would say we can, we can play him in training camp. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring, then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. Let's see what happens, you know, but I don't think he makes it onto the, the final roster, so I'm passing. Steve, he may come in with the vet minimum. Does that sway you? <laughs> um, yeah, when you said Marcus Williams, I had to think about who that was for a second. Um, and that's not good because I feel like I'm pretty knowledgeable about the Bears. So I'm going to go with pass. <laughs> well, I'm going to, yeah, I'm, I'm going to pass too, actually. I think if I, they have other future contracts out there, like, a, you know, Don Franklin, who's obviously younger, way more raw, of course. But yeah, I think Marcus Williams. If even if he does come back, he's not going to survive training camp. So I would kind of look elsewhere to provide a little bit of a uh, additional depth at the cornerback position. Uh, up next, let's do Aaron Lynch. Actually, let's, uh, this is one that people know, people are interested in. Uh, so Aaron Lynch, let's go to Steve first. What would you do here? Because like you said, we need a couple extra pass rushers. He displayed it yeah. in his spurts, but history of injuries, and that doesn't seem to want to end. Yeah, I think in a perfect world, I definitely want to play have him back um i don't know what kind of contract he's gonna get though i think he might have played his way outside of the bears um range a little bit um but if he wants to come back on a similar type deal that he had uh, maybe a longer term deal but the same um annual value i would say uh, bring him back for sure but um i just don't know what kind of contract he's gonna get i think i think with pass rushers someone's gonna give him a bigger contract than what the bears are willing to give him and on top of that, too, he was a Vic Fangio guy, uh, came in due to Fangio, uh, knowing him, having faith in him. And again, now that's gone. So I'd be curious exactly how that would kind of sway the Bears' decision here um, from a front office standpoint. But what about you, Brandon? You look like you're very much deep in thought here. So are you going to pass or are you going to play? Yeah, because you just swayed me. Because I was going to say play because we've seen it in spurts, but his injury history kind of you know would bring him back on a, a bargain deal similar to what I was saying about Bryce Callahan. But you swayed me with him being a Vic Fangio guy. Uh, so for that reason, I'm passing on him. I think that there's other guys that they can get, especially at his role on the depth chart. I think that there's better quality guys that we can get more reliable production out of, younger guys in the draft or undrafted free agents. Because uh, we've seen that we can hit on the undrafted free agents as well from time to time. So I'm, I'm passing on Aaron Lynch. All right, three passes in a row from you guys. I'd be curious to see if we can change that. I think we can. Uh, number four on my list, Roy Robertson-Harris. The Bears, again, do have exclusive rights. He's not an unrestricted free agent, um, but he is still up for a contract, and it's not 100% certain that he'll be a Bear, although it does seem likely. Brandon, if you had to choose, would you pass or play on Roy Robertson-Harris? I'm playing because I think that his we haven't seen everything that he's got, uh, and he's shown some flashes, especially early on when Cleo Mack first came because – People were kind of disregarding that Roy Robertson Harris was on the field, so that allowed him to be able to go in there and make some plays. And we can see exactly what it is that he can do. Uh, very explosive player, got a lot of uh, length, uh, a lot of athleticism, especially for a guy of his size. I liked him when we got him as an undrafted free agent uh, a few years ago. So I am playing Ray Robertson Harris. All right, Steve, are you in the same boat? 
Uh, yeah, absolutely. I love Oral Robinson Harris. I really like what he provides as a pass rusher in in uh, nickel packages, and I think um, I think he'll definitely be back as a bear next year. So, and I really like what he offers. He offers something a little bit different than um, the other defensive linemen that they have. He's a little longer, a little more athletic. Um, so I think he's a perfect player to bring back uh, and use in really just nickel packages. I don't see him playing much in the base defense, but yeah, I think he's a solid player. Okay, so from one hyphenated last name to another, DeAndre Houston Carson, Brandon, uh, ever since he was drafted, you've been you know hammering at the table, not really, but kind of, <laughs> uh, about this guy from William and Mary, especially with his um, once-was ability to block kicks. Uh, obviously, we haven't seen it at the pro level, uh, but still, uh, now that his rookie contract is kind of up in the air, what would you do with a DeAndre Houston Carson? Do you bring him back? Uh, as much as I like to hammer on the table whenever I get the chance when we get to talk about him, which isn't very often, uh, he's my fan favorite, but I don't think he's coming back. I mean, they'll bring him back for, for training camp, but I don't think he makes it, uh, because like we talked about the depth at the safety position is something that needs to be addressed. And as long as they can find somebody else, I think that he's one of those serviceable guys that I don't know what his deal would be if it can be any cheaper, but if they can get a guy for cheap, uh, but is still unproven, has a lot more potential, a lot more room to grow, then I think they go for that rather than. All right, Steve, how about you? DHC, yay or nay? Well, I wasn't expecting that. I thought you were going to play for sure. I was going to say pass just to see the look on your face, but since you passed, uh... I'm actually going to mix it up and I'll say play. I say they can bring him back on a on a vet minimum deal just because because of what he provides on special teams. And, you know, he won't kill you if he gets in the game. So I think they'll find a way to bring him back. All right, there you go. Yeah, I, I'm trying to play when I can, but also due to time constraints, I'm trying not to chime in with each and every one. Personally, with me, with DHC, I think I would pass. Um, I do understand that he was not going to garner a huge contract. He already is familiar with the system. He does have some special teams value as well. I would not be surprised. And if they do bring him back, I, again, I'm not going to be upset about it by any means. Um, but I do think you can find other quality safety slash special team depth elsewhere. Um, and someone who's maybe a little bit more sized up to play in the NFL at a, uh, at a higher level, because the thing about DHC to me is his size and you don't really recognize it until he's actually out there in pads. He's a very small player for the position. So for me, I would look elsewhere. Um, I believe Ryan Pace, when he drafted him, I believe it was the sixth round, uh, kind of envisioned a special teams role. And maybe if he's fulfilled it, he does get another contract, but I wouldn't be surprised uh, really one way or another here. Moving on to number six, and let's go to Steve first. Isaiah Irving, what would you do, pass or play? Um, See, this is a tough one because I'm not a big Isaiah Irving fan. I don't think he's really shown that much in his – he's been in the league for a few years now. So, yeah. But I don't think he – I don't think he's ever going to be much more than a fourth or fifth pass rusher special teams guy. Um, and so again, if he's making the vet minimum, I would be fine with bringing him back. If they decide to go a different route, I'd see that too. But be, I think because of their lack of depth at, at uh, the outside linebacker position, they end up bringing him back. All right. B. He's a preseason phenomenon. Always seems to be able to stand out then, but when the season rolls around, he can't seem to size up. He always looks a little smaller out there to me, uh, since we're just talking about DHC being smaller. This is another guy that always just seems to look small on the field to me. Uh, So I'm with Steve. I think they bring him back, uh, mostly just because he's familiar with the guys in the system. They need that depth. Uh, He's familiar with everyone else around. Uh, So I think they bring him back, but not by my um, want (laughs) or my need. 
Yes, desire. That's the word. All right. Now the last two, and it's obviously Adrian Amos and Bryce Callahan. So for these two, I want these to be kind of together. So seven and eight, Adrian Amos, Bryce Callahan. Do you pass and play on either? Do you try to bring in both? And again, maybe ideally you do want to play both, but I want to kind of take this from a reasonable stand from a financial standpoint, because it's going to be very difficult to make that happen even though maybe that's what we would like to keep all 11 starters coming back for another year. Uh, but I'd just be really curious exactly because, you know, you have, this is a big question and Steve, you've answered it about a month ago already here on the blog between these two. And you may have changed your mind, but we'll go to you in a second. Brandon, Amos Callahan, if he had a pass or play and either, what are you going to do? I'm playing on Amos uh, and I'm passing on Callahan. Uh, Cause from a financial standpoint, I don't see how you can work it to get both these guys back unless they do something in the draft where they trade a guy away uh, to either acquire more picks uh, and he has a, a decent salary hit. Uh, I just don't know because we never know what the draft pace, you know, so I'm not shutting the door on completely passing on Callahan, but as it stands right now, as of today, February uh, 15th at 739 central time, I am passing on Bryce Callahan and playing Adrian Amos. I think it's hard to pass up on a guy that had a career year. And as strong as the safety class is, uh, and as much as Amos may say, well, my PFF grade was this. I was the best safety. I mean, let's not base our salary numbers off of that, please, because that's he's he's not that elite level. He's good. Uh, and it's not necessarily because it's a product of the talent around him. He's just a very solid all-around player. He's been consistent. I think he's maybe only missed one game. Uh, in this time here so far. So I think he's a guy that you can definitely bring back. Bryce Callahan has not been a guy to show that he can consistently play. Uh, so for that reason, I'm I'm passing on Callahan playing Amos. All right, Steve, are you going to just do the lazy route and copy Brandon again or agree <laughs> with, I should I say? I don't know. I'm, this is a tough one. I don't envy Ryan Pace because this is a very tough decision. <laughs> if it's just based on talent, I think Bryce Callahan is the by far the more talented player but like you said the injuries hey you have to take the injuries into account um i'm not going to rule out resigning both of them because i think like i mentioned before that agent amos might not get the big contract he's expecting because of the deep for e-agent class that safety and i think with bryce callahan you might be able to get a slight discount because of the injuries um or maybe have an incent a lot of incentives in this deal or something so i'm not going to rule out signing both of them um, but I guess I have to make a decision. Um, so realistically, I'd say probably um, they end up keeping Amos and letting Bryce Callahan go. What's harder to fill, Steve, in your opinion, uh, a safety position or finding a new starting slot corner? Uh, corner, I think, by long, long shot. But the issue, though, is there is you if you re-sign Callahan and he gets injured, then you're, you're kind of screwed. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, exactly. So that's yeah, it's a tough decision, but yeah, much harder to fill cornerback. But I think you kind of have to go with what you know and what you have. And Amos seems to be that guy. Now, Since Steve's been agreeing with me, I want to agree with Steve, and I do not envy Ryan Pace in this situation. Yeah, no, not one <laughs> bit. Speaking of Ryan, Steve, I know you like the financials. I'm just curious your point here, uh, or at least your opinion. What are the chances that Pace gets creative yet again and finds a way to backload, say, the Adrian Amos contract if his price range is maybe slightly out for maybe 2019, 2020 to find a way to give him some more compensation 2021 further, which I know gets murky because of a lot of this offensive yeah. talent that's going to potentially want to get re-signed as well. 
Yeah, that's that's why it scares me. I won't really be a big fan of backloading too many contracts because, like you said, we're gonna have to resign Trubisky eventually, and and all the offensive players, Cohen, and all of them. So, and Eddie Jackson is gonna get, need to get paid soon. So, I would be not a big fan of backloading those contracts. But if anyone can find a way to do it, it's Ryan Pace. I have complete faith in him. So, get it done, Ryan. We're <laughs> we're counting on you. <laughs> if you're listening. I know you are. So. I think you can fulfill either spot, either your slot cornerback position or safety. If you only do one this year and you sign whoever you choose, uh, and again, there's some different ways to kind of think about this, and the durability of Callahan really does weigh into this decision. But I do trust Ryan Pace that if he wants to use um, his first pick in the draft to say, okay, well, I can't afford both. Let's find the replacement now to do it. I mean, he's done it so many times in so far to this uh, on this team. Uh, last week when I was talking to Nick about the state of the franchise for the offense, Bradley Soul is making more than both Cody White here and James Daniels next season. <laughs> it's just wow. because of the rookie contract. So I think he can find a way to fill one of these spots with a very cap-friendly rookie kind of deal here. Uh, so that's just my two cents. It doesn't have to be a free agent. I believe that uh, and again, uh, not every draft will be a home run. You won't hit on every one of your draft picks. But Ryan Pace gives me a lot of confidence that if he knew that this was going to be the hole, so if he picks his poison, say he's like, okay, let's go ahead and get the slot cornerback figured out. So he uses his top pick on the best cornerback available at the time, even if he was an outside guy in college, to slide him in. That might be an, another option if you want to kind of keep Adrian Amos, just keeping all things considered here. All right, you guys ready to wrap up the show with a few fan questions? Let's do it. Let's do it. All I right. Some of these on Twitter, and I'm looking forward to see which ones we get. Nice. Well, hopefully, <laughs> I played moderator uh, to your liking. So, <laughs> the first one's from Patrick, and I have to give this one to Steve uh, because I'm going to use Brandon's phrase here. Spoiler alert: You already wrote an article on this that I've already edited. But how realistic is it the Bears try to sign a Terrell Suggs as a situational pass rusher? Oh yeah, I'm glad you went to this to me with this because I love that idea. Uh, like you said, I am writing an article. Um, it should be, I don't know, sometime next week, probably. Um, and I, <laughs> sorry. Um, yeah, uh, I think he'd be a great signing. I think he'd be perfect for what they need. And I think he'd be perfect for them. Um, uh, or we would be perfect for him, I should say. Um, but yeah, I think that's a great idea. Uh, the one thing that kind of complicates it is because I think he really wants to retire as a Raven. But the Bears do offer a better chance of winning a Super Bowl than the Ravens do. And I think that will be high on his list of priorities. Plus, he's familiar with Chuck Pagano. Uh, he was the defensive player of the year under Chuck Pagano. So I think it makes a ton of sense. Um, you could probably get him for a pretty cheap deal because especially like we discussed, the Bears need to um, uh, sign a bunch of people pretty coming up soon. So a one-year deal for an aging veteran sounds like a perfect fit for me. I mean, he's what, like 67 years old right now? <laughs> Something like that, yeah. What about you, B? Uh, what are your thoughts on Suggs? I don't know, I've never actually really thought about it, but it makes a lot of sense. Uh, Steve's point. Well, I, I've never really thought of like Suggs as coming to Chicago. Like I would think that his cap hits too big. So I never even really considered it. Um, but to Steve's point, the bears do stand a better chance of winning a super bowl than a Joe Flacco less Ravens uh, at the moment. So I, I think that it would make sense for him to come here as long as the money's right. But I am really uh, being stingy when it comes to players that I want in free agency, just knowing of the, small financial uh, situation that the bears are in. So I never even realized they're trail subs to be honest. Yeah. One thing, one thing I'll just, I'll say to that is he actually made the same um, amount of money as Aaron Lynch did last season. So he wasn't really breaking the bank for the Ravens. Um, 
And if he wants to take a similar deal, I think that the Bears could make that money work. But we'll see. I mean, and one last thing, if not just the Bears having a better chance of winning the Super Bowl, not just a chance for him to reunite with a Chuck Pagano, but also to play with a Khalil Mack. I mean, those two together, I mean, they'll yeah. be that'd be like, you know, from one era. And, you know, Suggs is still uh, playing decent, uh, but obviously his better days are behind him. So from one great era past rusher to the new kind of age with those two on the same team, that will be fun from a fan perspective as well. And you better believe those two, I think, would easily uh, be able to hit it off. And on top of that, we talked about earlier in the show about Khalil Mack. What will it take for him to take the next step? Maybe it's a Terrell Suggs. Maybe he learns one thing from this veteran who's been around a little bit longer that can help him refine his game uh, to a degree that I can't even put into words because, honestly, it's, un- it's unfathomable to even believe that Khalil Mack could even get better. But maybe that's a way to do it as well with some of that uh, old veteran leadership of a Terrell Suggs. Uh, so the next question, we already answered. It was from uh, Odon. Uh, does Peace sign Amos or Callahan? So uh, hopefully, if you're listening to the show, uh, we answered your question by now. Uh, so we'll move on to number three, and it's from Cass. And B, I'll go to you first. How do you think that the position coach turnover is really going to affect the quality of the defensive play execution? Uh, I think we'll see it be hindered early uh, just because it's an adjustment. You know, they got to get used to their coaching styles, uh, things of that nature. They may teach them different techniques that they're not used to, ones that coaches would rather see because it's worked for them in the past. Uh, so I think it, we see it maybe be a little bit hindered early, uh, but I don't see it being a, a huge deal. There's just a, a lot of talent on this defense in general, so I don't see it being an overall big deal. Uh, but there is going to be a little bit of an adjustment. So hopefully they can squeak that out in the preseason before we get into like week six and it's still lingering. What about you, Steve? Because even though all the talent is going to remain or the vast majority of the talent is going to remain on the defense, uh, what kind of impact do you think the changing coaches and overall leadership per position could end up having? Yeah, I, I agree with Brandon completely. I think in the beginning of the year it might see a little bit of an impact, but ultimately talent wins out and the Bears are extremely talented. And uh, what I liked about the Chuck Pagano hire is he said that he was going to learn the Bears scheme and the Mm -hmm. Bears terminology. So I imagine he's going to tell his position coaches they have to do the same thing. Um, So that will ease the transition a little bit, but there's always going to be a transition process. So maybe in the beginning of the year, but I don't see anything really to worry about. Now, real quickly, because when you say, and this is a little bit different, um, but I just go back to Mel Tucker a little bit, because when he came in, uh, he's like, I will learn Levy's system, and then I will execute it. And obviously that failed <laughs> miserably. Now, I know that a lot of these guys have a very similar background to what this defense was last year. Do you think that's going to make it where we don't have another Tucker fiasco? Yeah, I think so. Because uh, Pagano, like, Pagano said he's going to learn the Bears scheme and terminology, but I don't think it was – it's still a 3-4 defense. It's still, it's not as different. I think Mel Tucker was kind of forced to run Levy Smith's defense. Yes where Chuck Pagano is going to is it was his idea to run Vic Fangio's defense. So I don't think it's going to be as, as bad as hopefully not as bad. No, as it better not be. <laughs> don't ruin a great thing uh, because yeah. we definitely have it here in Chicago with our defense. Uh, number four, and this is the last one I had because a lot of them were uh, a lot of them were very similar with a lot of questions about free agent signings uh, to fill depth across the board, uh, especially linebacker and safety, which to our point throughout this entire the show, it makes a lot of sense that those are a couple of positions that fans are kind of looking into to kind of add some more pieces to the puzzle here. Uh, so pretty much everyone's just curious to, do we already have some names on our radar to fill a few of these holes? Uh, Steve, I'm curious because I know you are, you love the off season. You love putting together rosters. Do you have any, 
uh, potential free agents that are out there that you would that you have kind of on your short list? Um, yeah, I have a couple. Uh, one guy, I, uh, starting with just safety, I guess. Um, I really like Trey Boston. I think he was at the Cardinals last year, I want to say. I like him a lot. Uh, I don't think he would break the bank. Uh, he'll probably end up thinking about him, though, as a probably end up getting a similar contract to Adrian Amos. So when might just want to have, rather have Adrian Amos. If they want to go to it with a cheaper option at safety, uh, one guy I like, and I wrote about him slightly, uh, a little bit early in the offseason, he's a Chuck Pagano guy. It's Matthias Farley, I think. Matthias Farley, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's actually a restricted free agent, but he's not going to break the bank at all. So I think that he might, they might go that way. Um, in terms, I already talked about Suggs. He's a guy like an outside linebacker. Yeah, I haven't done too much digging into the free agent class, but those are a couple of guys that I've that I've liked. All right, what about you, B? I know you've been fairly busy working uh, an extraordinary amount of work hours per week lately. Uh, so if you haven't been able to dive into the upcoming free agency class, that's okay. But I'm just curious if you do have anyone in mind. Uh, yeah, I, but I mean, I don't know how much money the Honey Badger is actually going to want, but I would see that as a good uh, replacement for Adrian Amos. Uh, in my opinion, as uh, another safety guy. Uh, looking at, at corner, I see Kareem Jackson on this list. He kind of got omitted from the top 25. I'm looking at the NFL's top 25 uh, free agents this year. See Kareem Jackson on there, also from the Texans as a cornerback. But last time we did that with Quentin Dumps, that didn't quite turn out very well either. Granted, he was a safety. But regardless, same story. I'm not uh, too sold on that one yet either. So I, I, I really like that there's a lot of choices as far as filling in safety if they decide to let Adrian Amos walk. And granted, Adrian Amos doesn't even make the omissions for the top 25. So that tells me he definitely could come in at a uh, reasonable price for the Bears. But I, I mean, I don't think that there's a whole lot of uh, finance, smart financial decisions just looking at this list. Uh, myself, so I I'm sticking with my uh, honey badger turn. Tyron Matthew is the only really really realistic replacement for Adrian Amos if he goes. Uh, but yeah, outside of that, I haven't really looked too deep into pass rushers or anything like that yet. Mostly been looking at secondary. I would advise looking off of the top 25 because I don't know how many of the top 25 we're going to be able to afford. <laughs> uh, for me, I just have one name right now that is really sticking out um, and. Right now, I do believe he's in talks with potentially re-signing with the Steelers, but it's Anthony Ticcolo. Uh He has seven sacks in the past three years. He's also very prominent on their special teams units. Um, I would say he's an upgraded version of an Aaron Lynch. May require just a little bit more money, but not too much. And I really would, if you go to back to Steve's point, if you can find a way to you know talk Suggs to come on over, you bring in Ciccolo as well. Those being your top four, you know Leonard Floyd, Khalil Mack, Anthony Ciccolo, Terrell Suggs, now that's fun. That's exciting. So that's what I would go for if I'm Ryan Pace, but I'm not the decision maker. I don't I don't write the checks. Uh, so <laughs> that's a different discussion for a different day. But there are options out there if they really want to bolster uh, depth, especially outside linebacker uh, with a veteran like a Suggs and some younger player who is uh, has potential but hasn't really put it all together yet. I think if you can find a way to put those two together, uh, you can really put uh, the Bears in a great position to have what we were hoping for earlier in the show with some uh, depth at the position that we're confident in that once either 94 or 52 need to take a moment to breathe, uh, they, they can go in and find a way to make their impact as well. All right, guys. Well, I am out of material for this podcast. Do you guys have any final thoughts about the Bears defense heading into the offseason? I know we talked about them for an hour and 25 so far, so I'm sure that you're probably dry. It's at least nice to know that a lot of our concerns come with depth pieces. Mm-hmm. You know, I, having the starters be solidified is an extremely 
nice feeling. Yeah, like I was telling Nick too last week. It's like every year you and I and Nick, we've done to say the franchise episodes. We're like, tear it all to shreds, start all over. <laughs> yeah, gotta find a way to make it right. And now it's like, oh, we're in a really good spot. We just need to, you know, add a supplemental piece here, make a decision about this player here, and then it's and that's other than that, it's really nitpicking. Uh so that's a good like you said, it feels good. Uh, to be in this spot, but also I'm hungry for more. So I'm willing to make some of these tough decisions. Well, I don't have to, but I'd be willing to make some of these <laughs> tough decisions and, uh, of course, continue to bolster the roster in some strategic ways. Um, again, I know there's some constraints, so finding a way to be savvy um, is going to be a big key for Ryan Pace this offseason. How about you, Steve? Any final thought? Uh, no, I just think that was a really good point uh, that you guys just made about this offseason is completely different from what we're used to. You know, talking about the second safety and, and how Dion Bush is going to fit in is is might not seem like that much fun, but it's it's actually better than the alternative. So I'm looking forward to next season. One thing I will say is, even though we had a really great defense last season, I don't think they should not improve the defense because you don't want to just sit still and let people catch up to you. You know, you keep on going, keep on getting more pass rushers, more corners, as much talent as possible, and and let's really just make a strength the an even stronger strength. If that makes sense. Make the strength even a more of a stronger strength. It makes sense to me. May not be sure. the most grammatically sound kind of way to go about it, but it definitely makes sense. So refining, retooling, finding ways to continue to, uh, you know, take growth steps. See, if we're all running out. We we need more podcasts per week because man, in the season, I'm in a flow of things, and right now I'm like. How do I podcast? What do I say? <laughs> but all right, I'm going to call that an episode. And I want to thank, of course, Brandon and Steve for taking time out of their Friday evening, a little bit off schedule for us to do a podcast. So thank you guys for hopping on. And thanks to everyone here on YouTube for joining the live show. I know it's Friday night. You probably have a million things that you could be doing and you chose to be here during the live show. So I really do appreciate the time that you did to do that. A reminder for YouTube people, uh, we're now less than 80 subscribers away from reaching 5,000 overall. And once we do, um, I haven't told Brandon about this, but I'm sure he listened to the last episode, so he knows. Uh, once we reach the 5,000 subscriber mark, we're going to have what I'm going to call like a 5K subscriber party. It'll just be a YouTube-only event. We're just going to kind of come on, very informal, uh, just sit around, chat, uh, talk with you, maybe answer a few questions, maybe some you know, whatever you want us to let you know, uh, to tell you, either about the Bears or life in general, or something about us and personal facts. We're here to share those as well. So just an informal event just to kind of show our appreciation for you and for you podcast listeners. If you're new or if you haven't yet, please take a moment to review our show on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. I know we're over 400 worldwide, but we're sitting a couple shy in the States. Uh, so help us reach that goal here if you are from the United States. And if you're elsewhere, I don't mind if you give us a review as well. Uh, I'll definitely check that out. So thanks for everyone for tuning in. And uh, hope you enjoy this episode of the Chicago Audible. Uh, so, yeah. We'll be back next week with another show. have no idea what we're going to be talking about, but we're going to sit down and figure it out between now and then. So, of course, have a great weekend. And until next time, bear down, Chicago. Finally, a bed that senses snoring and automatically responds. Meet the Ergo Smart Base from Tempur-Pedic, our first system that detects snoring 
then automatically adjusts by raising the bed. Get your best sleep all night, every night. For a limited time, save up to $500 on select adjustable mattress sets and experience the deep, undisturbed sleep of Tempur-Pedic. Get full offer details at TempurPedic.com. 